This is the Catalyst Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 3, Episode 12, My Journey as a Teacher. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back to the Catalyst Podcast. Can you believe we are at the end of Season 3? It's been incredible making these episodes for you. I hope you've been enjoying listening to them. So I'd like to say a massive thank you for our sponsor for the podcast, which is the Masterclass Sessions. And Anton Oliver is going to be doing Deal Mastery. If you click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself on there. And if you send me a quick message either on social media or to michael at cataholos.co.uk about what you've been enjoying most about the episodes, just tell me something, um, you could be entered into our draw and you could be in with a chance of winning an entire year to the Masterclass Sessions for free, completely free. So you could be joining people like Vicky uh, and Rob and Ruben who have already won our competition every month. So make sure you send a message if you like that to be you. So I've got a very special story that I thought would be nice to share with you, following on from the last two stories about being vegan and my journey through fitness. This is a very special journey and I guess it's very appropriate. I wanted to give you something special at the end of this third series together. And if you stay tuned at the end, I've got something very special for you. So yeah, it's my story of being a teacher over the past, wow, how long's it been now? It's been quite a while, 15, 16 years. So I'm going to tell you exactly what I went through as a teacher. And then the most important thing, I think, is the second aspect. What have I learned? You know, because teaching and learning are not the same thing. I've said that a few times. What have I learned over these last kind of 15 years that you can pick up today, you know, without having to do 15 years? So I come from a whole family of teachers. My mum's a teacher. My dad's a teacher. I have three brothers. They're all teachers. Uh, a lot of people on both sides of the family are teachers. I had no inclination that I was going to be a teacher. And I didn't want to be at all. At no point in high school did I want to be a teacher. At no point in college did I want to be a teacher. At no point in university did I want to be a teacher. But what happened um, is after I did uh, my master's, there was a 2008 recession. So I graduated and there were no jobs, right? Hard times, like a lot of people going through at the moment. So what I did was I went back to my first school, my primary school, and there was a wonderful woman called Mrs. Wood. Mrs. Wood, my first mentor. And I did drama workshops with some of the kids at the school. And she helped me to understand. She said, Mike, you know, a whole class could benefit from what you're doing here. It's not just drama. You just love being with the children. You know, you could be a teacher. And I'd never thought about that because I come from a family of teachers. And I didn't want to just do what my family did. But I did love speaking with the children and hanging out with them and learning about them and helping them to learn. And I kind of thought, you know what, I'll give it a go. So I did my uh, my PGC and became a qualified teacher and, and taught for several years before leaving teaching and um, becoming a business owner. But lo- along the way, I'd also done tutoring. Uh, so I taught guitar tuition uh, and bass and singing, actually. And I'd also done one-to-one tuition. So when I left teaching, when I was starting out at Catahollis, I did some one-to-one uh, academic tuition. So I've done teaching, I've done tutoring and music tuition. Um, I've also uh, been an instructor and instructed students when I did jiu-jitsu. So I did jiu-jitsu martial art for several years, over a decade. And I was very grateful to be an instructor at one point and have my own club as well as teaching them various courses and things like that. And it was great because in our style, we got taught from the second belt upwards, I think it was, orange, to try and 
uh, instruct other students so you didn't have to wait until you were a sensor you you were teaching as you were learning and it was a really good way of doing things actually so being an instructor so that's not quite the same and then obviously now in business I do training so I do training sessions one-to-one sessions or group sessions online and face-to-face in the business world uh, and then finally I've also done something else which is uh, mentoring so mentoring is when you're with somebody and you have a very deep kind of personal professional relationship with them and you work with them for a period of time developing them as a whole person and I was very very fortunate to get to do that with several individuals and it was life-changing for me definitely and I think it helped them as well so you know whether it's tutoring teaching as a teacher music tuition being an instructor being a business trainer or a mentor that whole journey has always been about growing and developing people you know, uh, our mission statement at Catalyst is growing people to know, to do, and to be their best self through a journey of wholesome relationships, integrity, and loving kindness. Well, that's basic saying. We're growing people. That's what I've done for over ten years. It was never just about the subjects. It was always about the people and the results. You know, um, and I'm very grateful because I feel I've done my best teaching outside of the mainstream classroom. Being a teacher was wonderful in a primary school for a time but I now understand it was just part of my journey. And I wanna start by just giving you two things. Um, One is one of the leading things that changed everything for me and and has been the thread that's run through what I do, whether that was being an instructor, being a tutor, or being a business trainer, or being a mentor. And it's this, focus on learning. Focus on what you're learning and what you're helping other people to learn. Don't focus on being a teacher or trying to teach. They're not the same thing. And any good teacher will back me up on this, right? We can get so busy trying to be the trainer, be the instructor, be the mentor, be the, you know, look at me. We get so focused on that, we don't realize the people we're trying to help to learn are not learning. You know, we're saying things like, they don't get it, I've tried it a million different ways. It worked with the other class, it worked with the other person. Yeah, but they're not learning. And one of the best definitions I've recently heard of leadership was, can you respond in that moment? to the needs of your people? Can you hold in your mind nothing so you're fully present and able to respond to the needs of your people or your learners? So that really changed everything. When I realized it was not about me trying to be a teacher, I'm always gonna be a teacher. I'm gonna be a teacher because I love to learn and help people to learn. And not all teachers do, not all trainers do, not all instructors love to learn and love that learning process, right? And it's it's just a fact, it's, it's people I've come up against and they're so, busy trying to teach and instruct that people aren't learning from them. And I've definitely done that as well, by the way. Um, and it's it sounds quite harsh that, but you can be so busy trying to teach something that nobody's learning. So just <laughs> let that sink in. Um, so lifelong learning, you might've heard that phrase. I've embraced that. I've always loved to learn. And that's why I feel I'll, I'll continue to hopefully try and be you know, a good teacher because I'm trying to help others to engage in this process. And learning is not easy. There's a reason why we try and make it so fun, especially for children and adults, because real learning, changing the brain, the chemistry of the brain and the neurocircuitry, changing habits, you know, improving performance and making them stick, right? Making them stick long-term, that is not easy. So a really easy way to think about it is this. It's something I've, I've explained before and it's called the zone of proximal development. So just Google comfort zones or Google zone of proximal development by Vygotsky, the Soviet Vygotsky in the 1800s. What it basically means, whether you're a tutor, whether you're a music teacher, whether you're a teacher, you're an instructor, you're a business trainer, you're a mentor, the zone of proximal development means, can your people go further with you than they could on their own? 
I'm going to say that again. Are you taking them further with you, with your resources, with your programs, with your teaching, with your environment, with your building, with your product? It doesn't matter what it is. Are they going further with you than they would on their own? Because if they're not going further, quicker, faster, longer with you, then they would just on their own. It's useless. If you're speeding them up, if you're accelerating their progress, if you're helping them to understand, get the aha moment, get better results, fantastic. How you help them do that might be as a coach, instructor. Those titles, remember, they don't matter. As long as person is learning and growing and developing with you in whatever form of that is, you're doing great. So keep going. <laughs> I wanted to share with you, um, before I get into some, some things I've learned from these various roles, just one of the funniest examples I had of teaching. I was in the Czech Republic, talking to a guy through my broken Czech at the time, who was a ping pong champion, right? or a former ping pong champion. I mean, he'd been defeated by this teenager like five years ago and he'd lost all his confidence. And he was a friend of a friend of someone I knew at the time. <laughs> so I was trying to like motivate and inspire this guy that, you know, you can do it. I believe in you. And maybe just try this technique through, through like physical hand gestures and some broken check. And, and he was certain points. I was like, I think he, he's nodding. I think he gets it. Other points, it's like, oh, nope, I've totally lost him or he's totally lost me. <laughs> and to me, like that sums up just the the relationship between the mentor the mentee the instructor and the trainee the teacher the learner that you're trying to just move them forward in some way and sometimes it's physically or literally figuratively like you're speaking a different language they've got needs you can't meet they've got skills you haven't got but you know you, you're trying to do your best by them dr kevin treston my father's mentor he said teaching is messy <laughs> that's the definitely example of messy teaching, but we had some fun, and I think he, I, he he said thank you, and I think I helped him. So there we go. <laughs> so I wanted to uh, reach out to you as to give you some of the best practices I've learned. You know, what have I really learned over these kind of past kind of 15, 16 years in these different roles? Because you might be listening to this as a parent, as an instructor, as a teacher, um, as a business owner, as somebody who's never done any kind of teaching, but you love to learn. You know, what's the difference people often tell me between coaches, instructors, mentors, teachers? Learn. It's not the same thing. Yes, we're all trying to take people forward or we're all trying to go forward that zone of proximal development. Proximal means close and we're trying to just be in that good learning zone going forward. But they're all done in slightly different ways. So let me try and help you out with that. So I've said this before, but I'll say it again. When it comes to teaching, focus on the learning. What are they learning? If you've got a great activity, if it's not helping them to meet that objective, take it out. Focus on what they are learning. What are they going to be able to do or have achieved by the end of the lesson, by the end of the session? And if everything you're doing is not to help them to get there, take it out. Start again. Start from scratch. What are they learning? And ask them, especially if you're teaching adults. They will tell you, you know, even five, six-year-olds. Do you get it? No, I don't get it. Okay, let me try a different way. You know, it's as simple as that. Focus on what they're learning, not on what you're teaching. And that can be a massive weight off your shoulders as well, by the way. You know, not trying to be a teacher. Focus on teaching what they're learning. What they're learning. Simple as that. The second one is if you're an instructor or if you're working with instructors. Because instructors and teachers, not necessarily the same thing. So I got a lot of experience of this, like say over a decade in doing jujitsu. And there were some senseis, which means teachers, some teachers, they were really, really good at techniques. Like their jujitsu was amazing. You'd watch them and be like, wow. And then there were people that were really good instructors, meaning they could make you do really good jujitsu. And they weren't the same thing. So I remember seeing some, some instructors that were really good, but their students couldn't do the things the way they did it, you know, because they hadn't bridged that gap. 
and some were really good and some not so good and that's fair enough because you know they weren't given any that much formal training with it but a really good piece of advice I got from someone who's world class so take it from him not from me he said he was this was when he was training us as instructors right so us as young instructors he was training us he said stop showing your students how to get it wrong you know when we're doing demonstrating techniques stop telling them don't do this and don't do that and if that goes wrong show it them right show it to them exactly right because if you're doing it nine out of ten they might interpret it at a level of seven out of ten and then practice it five out of ten if you're showing them you know some sevens and sixes they're going to be right at the one don't waste your time show it them once and show it them right then if they have questions and you can get into what if that goes wrong and then you can get to all that show it them right that was really good advice by the way as i got better i started to understand if you could get something right once, that's enough. One of the sensors used to be horrible. He said, if you get it right once, fine. If not, we're going to be here a long time. <laughs> so as an instructor, we can sometimes, when we're trying to instruct people, if we reach out to them and say, oh, don't do this and this, make it complicated. No, 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 no. Show them right once. Then if they don't get it, ask if they don't get it. And then you can expand, all right? So keep it simple, especially if you're instructing. Business training is a little bit different. And the biggest problem, the whole I found in any business training, including my own, is what happens after the training session? I've become obsessed with that question. What happens afterwards? So for example, you could deliver a really good training session. Uh, people, they achieve beyond all the objectives. You've got great feedback. Everybody's buzzing online or in the room. It's all fabulous. But somehow, I don't know, the cultural change doesn't happen or people aren't using the material weeks, months afterwards. By the way, that's perfectly normal. It's very common. It's a big deal. That's why a lot of people write books about it, including me, right? Trying to help with that. So this is what I suggest. A focus on the implementation of the training afterwards, meaning every time you're training from now on, talk to them using this language saying, and here's how you could do this in your normal everyday training or life or, or a job. And here's how you can use this afterwards. Here's how you can use that next month. Here's something to remember afterwards. It's like they're learning something, but with one eye on where they're going. It's almost like you're running alongside them, having a conversation, but you're training them, say, look ahead, look ahead, look ahead, you're going to hit a wall, you know? So the implementation, what does that actually look like? Really simple. Say to them, okay, within 24 hours, pass on some of the information. You're trying to get them to understand the learning takes place as a continual journey. Because if they take the baton and run with it, great stuff. If they don't take that baton and they drop it, that's, you know, our responsibility. That's not good. So get them to do something a day afterwards, a week afterwards, a month afterwards. Check in with them, yeah? Really, and if the people you're working with don't understand the value of this, say, hey, do you want this stuff to work or not in six months, 12 months, five years? You know, and, and do all that extras for free. It doesn't take long. I do that, but it's really, really important. You can tell and feel very strongly about this. So be obsessed with what happens after your brilliant training sessions, you know? And they'll be blown away. By, by the fact you're, you're trying to offer that much value. So really focus on that. Tutoring and mentoring, I want to put together, tutoring and mentoring is a massive privilege. If you're tutoring somebody in their home or online or you know having a private tuition, or if you're mentoring somebody and they've opened up to you and said, I need some, you know, I want you to help me go forward in my life. That's a massive privilege, a massive privilege. It's not just a one-off training session or a class. And what I say with that is take very seriously, please, what we learn in teaching something called duty of care. It means trust. They trust you and everything you say or do should be in their best interests. And I say it to all my clients. I say, look, I've got duty of care towards you, meaning I'm not going to say or do seemingly anything that's going to hurt you. I've always got your best interests at heart. 
And it's very important that's in place in a mentoring and tutoring relationship because people will often open up to you and they are a bit more personal, you know. You can have a bit more of a laugh with them, you know, especially if they're adults. You can, you know, you can engage with them deeper, which is great. And if you've been in the position to mentor somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You've grown a leader, you've developed a manager, you've helped somebody to get promoted, you've passed on a skill, whatever it is, but you've seen them grow, haven't you, as people, their confidence. It's a wonderful thing. So please take it very seriously. It's, it's a great privilege. And the final one is coaching. Now there's nothing more misunderstood than coaching. So just to keep it really simple, make sure if you're coaching people that they know what coaching is. Because if you say the word coaching, just like the word leadership to 10 different people, I guarantee you'll get 10 different definitions. We need to be the ones that are very clear and say, what does that mean to you? So it's really simple. Make sure that the people you're working with, they understand the parameters and they understand expectations. So the parameters basically means what can they expect from you and what can you expect from them? And the expectations is what do they actually want from it? So for example, you're working with somebody for three months, what do they want to achieve in those three months? Which parts of that is going to be a bit of input from you and which part from them? Some coaches are very much about helping people to to ask themselves the right questions. The less they do, but you know, the better with that little bit, the more the other person does, the better. Other people are a lot more hands-on. They're a bit more like an instructor, like, hey, follow me, do it my way. Sometimes your clients will want you to give you some some answers or some at least some input. Somebody said to me recently, this person had a, a brilliant coaching program, but that person didn't fit into their program with their needs and the coach couldn't respond. So remember what we said about leadership, that ability to respond to your people in the moment. That was a missed opportunity by that person. He could have had a, you know, helped that client. So what I'm trying to say is make sure you've got a responsiveness in your coaching, whatever that is. You know, is your style a good fit for that person? Remember what we said before, learning, are they learning? No, okay, might need to change your approach or your approach isn't really gelling with them. That's no problem. Can you put them in touch with somebody who might be a better fit, you know? So that's kind of coaching. So you can see whether it's teaching, instructing, business training, tutoring, mentoring, coaching. As long as you focus on what the person is learning, and you're trying to take them further than they could on their own, remember that zone of proximal development, you won't go far wrong. And you know what? You'll have a really good time. I absolutely love who I get to be and what I get to do. Helping people to develop themselves and grow in their abilities and be confident in themselves is hands down one of the best things you can do with your life. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So to anybody who's ever ever had the opportunity to do that with, I want to say thank you very much while I got the chance. Okay, I want to finish with a really random positive fact, which can hopefully help you with learning. And then I got a little something for you at the end. So these are two ways to avoid something called cognitive overload. Cognitive cognition is just thinking. Overload means, oh my goodness, I'm overloaded. <laughs> it's just, I can't take anymore. You might have seen that people's eyes glaze over or they're like, oh, not another one. You reach that point and you're trying to, you know, help somebody learn something in whatever way, but it's just not working. What do you do? Well, first thing you do is you take a quantitative approach quantity yeah just give them less so if you're looking at five things just focus on three if three is too many focus on one if one is too many cut it in half seriously give them less to think about and the second one is the qualitative approach which basically means try a different method so you're trying three things and it's not working cut it down to one uh using practical examples that doesn't work use a metaphor that doesn't work take a five minute break that doesn't work draw a diagram that doesn't work get them to try and say it back to you see what i'm trying to do there you mix up your methods and cut it down, and eventually that person will kind of go, oh no wait, I think I get a bit of it, and you can take it from there. Uh, Until we speak again, and I speak to you in season four, 
got some amazing stuff prepared for you in season four. I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who's reached out, especially during this season. It's been probably the most special yet. Uh, and it means a lot to me, you know, to accompany you on your journey. So thank you very much. Uh, until we talk again, just try out one of those things. And even if you don't, just remember, <laughs> including me, somebody somewhere loves you very, very much. Okay, take care and see you in season four. So I've written a little song, kind of. I just wrote a little musical way, again, mixing up the uh, the method, to um, try and inspire a little bit with your journey and the journey you're on, the journey you've been on together so far uh, in these three seasons. And it's something to just think about if you're learning things. How can you change in a changing world? If you can learn, then you can grow. How will you be the person you want to? When you get there, you will know. And we always can learn more. We always can love more. We always can learn more along the way. And how can you stay true to yourself? distractions along the way How can you keep an eye on the road and keep your treasure safe We focus to learn more We focus to love more We focus to learn more along the way finally arrived there the place you found from home the best thing about the journey you found is the person you've become so we always can learn more we always can love more we always can